Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on YouTube as we do each and every week. Joining me this week, as you can see on the screen, we have Jacob Terrell, Earl Nieto, and our special guest this week, former writer for the Daily Lobo, former writer for the Albuquerque Journal, currently an independent journalist, Andrew Gunn. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us tonight. First of all, how are you doing this evening, and uh, how are you coping with uh, the outcome of the match from Saturday night? Uh, first things first, Seth, I'm doing okay, you know, um, just kind of getting through the tail end of the pandemic, you know what I mean? So it feels like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, so that's kind of cool. Uh, rea <laughs> reactions to the match, though, the less cool. Uh, this, this is the first time I've actually been in the stands in like a vantage point where I could actually see, because I used to sit in the press box, you know, which is behind home plate, which is kind of not the best thing for like when like Suggs is down in the corner trying to waste time like 500 yards away or whatever. Uh, but I, I was in a good spot and I could see um, pretty much the whole field from what tr you know traditionalists or purists might call a good angle. And I saw a lot of bad things. I didn't see well can we can we just get it out of the way first? There, yeah. there was something that happened in the 25th minute or so. Uh, the the red card that was not I called it on Twitter the other day. Yeah, I think a lot of people had the same reaction that you did, and I know that you had a little bit of an interaction with uh, Nicholas Murray from the USL Championship website today. And I, I mean, he didn't really seem to want to acknowledge the fact that there was a red card. It's interesting that um, you know I, I like to keep up to date on like what's happening around the league, even though I'm not writing for the journal anymore, which was a great time. And I might end up getting picked up by another publication soon, but uh, that's yet to be determined. So stay in tune for that. Uh, yeah, Nick Burry, he's a, he's a good guy, but I, I like to read all of his stuff. And sometimes I see things that make me think he didn't really watch the game at all. He just watched the highlight reel. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah he, so yeah, and in his match recap, he missed the red card entirely, he, which was the pivotal point of the match. In my opinion, we, you know, it, they kicked it up into, you know, another gear with whatever Troy said at halftime, which was good to see, but to, you know, to, to miss such a pivotal moment in your, in your recap that ostensibly would, you know, tell people who didn't get to watch the match, what happened was kind of an oversight. Uh, I did have a, a little chat with him. He DM'd me on Twitter later and said he worked for the league and he couldn't, you know, he'd get in hot water with his colleagues if he had, you know, criticized the ref, but he still could have mentioned the red card at least once, you know? Yeah. I read the, the, the five talking points for the Western conference. Right. And, and he had New Mexico. It was like New Mexico sucked. It basically was what the gist of it that I got. And it had Troy's, quote about we weren't good enough in the first 25 minutes and everything but then it, it doesn't mention the red card it doesn't mention the offside call that wasn't it doesn't mention the handball that was that wasn't called it doesn't mention the fact that we like kicked their ass in the second half it was just yeah they gave up a goal they played bad in the first 20 minutes which i don't even think we played bad in the first 20 minutes it just we didn't score yet and so it was just like i read it and was just furious yeah. And that's the, well, that's the sort of thing too, that like 
you know, uslchampionship.com is not going to print something that criticizes match officials. But the, the thing that, the thing that was a little shocking to me is they didn't mention it at all. And that, that's kind of what uh, I had a little bit of beef with was, you know, did, did you not watch the game? Did you not, you know, and Nicholas does, I think pretty much every single recap. So he probably doesn't have time to watch every single game. Do you know what I mean? He's got the goals. He's got the shots on goal. He's got, you know, near misses, shots over the goal, uh, you know, vicious tackles or something like that. So I'm not, I'm not sure what his process is, but it was disheartening to see. But it's, it's the league's website. You know, you're going to get the same to – to a lesser degree, you're going to get the same sort of thing on MLS soccer, you know, any, any, any of their social media platforms or anything like that. But what I didn't understand was in the article, it's five talking points and the West. So it's about the whole Western Conference. Why pick us for that if you can't write about what really happened? Why not talk about Phoenix and Sacramento, or which I think might have been in there. I don't remember what the other four were. But surely there was another option in there other than flat out lying about what happened in our match. So that's what I like. The recap, I understand. But to go out of his way to pick to be us, pick that match for one of his five talking points. I didn't under, that's what I had a problem with. Yeah. And I think a lot of folks will, will agree with the points that you have both made here. Uh, before we get too far into our, our match discussion, um, we do have a little bit of a serious topic that we, we that we do want to discuss. Um, we know that uh, there were allegations made towards uh, some members of the, of the supporters of the, of the fans on Saturday night, saying that uh, racial slurs were being used to and directed at the Loudoun United FC players, um, there was one person in particular who who chimed in on Twitter to give their perspective and what happened. Um, that person did state that stadium officials were notified, but the person was allowed to stay in the stadium. And um, so I, I reached out to to David Carl. And he, and I asked him regarding protocols and things like that uh, for the club and how they're handling it. And for anyone who's new to the club or, or new to our situation here in New Mexico, uh, the United does play at the lab or isotopes park, which is home to the Albuquerque isotopes. And their arrangement is that New Mexico United rents the stadium out from the baseball team and all staffing, all security, those are Isotopes employees. And the club, United has no, basically has, has no input or stay on the training of these individuals or how these situations are being handled. Um, the club is looking at better ways to handle protocols and, and improve the process, improve what happens when this does occur in the same. Hopefully it, it won't, but the club is, hundred percent taking this seriously. They are investigating. They are open to coordinating and working with the league uh, to ensure that this, you know, that this is rectified and the club has a zero tolerance policy for racist or homophobic language and have said that the individuals uh, that are a part of this will be banned uh, for life from the stadium. And the same goes for anyone throwing beverages, food, things like that, because we saw it from the press box. Someone attempted to throw something towards the referees and it hit someone else in the back of the head, I believe. Um, again, another behavior that is unacceptable um, from the club's perspective and will result in a, in a ban. And so 
you know, we, we have been fairly silent when it comes to things like this from around the league. And, you know, I wrote something up earlier and I just, I feel it's appropriate that, that we say this here now, um, you know, we've had time to digest and look at it and reach out um, to the club. We've also reached out to the Albuquerque Isotopes um, to get their perspective on things. And as of the time of recording, they have not gotten back to us. So I do want to put make sure that, that is out there. We did reach out to the Isotopes front office um, and ask them some questions regarding the training of security and staffing and how they were going to handle this going forward. Um, but... Um, so just to share with everyone, we here at Somos Moss, of course, would like to address the, the incident that occurred Saturday night at the match with Loudoun United. As everyone knows at this point, allegations have been made that racial slurs were directed at players from Loudoun United. Prior to learning of these allegations from the club, our own staff members were also targeted with vulgar language and hand gestures simply for being in the same area as the Loudoun players. There have also been allegations made that items are thrown in the direction of referees, uh, from the match that of course has already been confirmed, uh, by the club. I can tell you with my own eyes, I saw it happen. Um, and as of right now, the club has acknowledged all of the allegations and is committed to finding the people involved and banning them. We almost must stand with the club and the curse in their efforts to root out these types of behaviors. Hatred in any form is unacceptable. Racism, homophobia, and violence have no place in our game and in our culture. It is up to us as humans to stop this from happening. It is up to us to root out the problems and prevent it from happening again. If you see something or hear something, speak up. Reach out to the club. Reach out to stadium personnel. Reach out to security. That's what you can do as an individual. We will not tolerate any of these behaviors as well within our own community here. Those of anyone that here joins us here on Twitch, YouTube, whatever the case may be, interacts with us on Twitter. We will not tolerate these behaviors within our community as well. And anyone found to be using these will be removed from our community. We will ban you from the channel here. We, we, this is unacceptable. Across social media, comments have been made by supporters of other clubs calling United supporters racists. The actions of the few folks that participated in this on Saturday night is not representative of our fan base as a whole. These broad generalizations by our own fan base, by other fan bases, has to stop. It doesn't serve anyone any good to make those sorts of accusations towards an entire fan base. In our experience, the fans and the supporters that we have met and the people that we have met through this club are by and large some of the most gracious and incredible people that we have ever met. The sport that we love is called the beautiful game for a reason. It's two hours of our lives where we can come together from people, different people from all walks of life can come together and support a united cause in this case, our club, or even another club. This sport, a global sport, is about inclusion and coming together, not tearing each other down. So I felt it was appropriate to say something at this point, um, especially now that um, these allegations have come from our own fan base. And it's not that we haven't supported the actions of, of the clubs and the leagues from, from around the league and around the world to root out people that are doing this. But as you guys know, we, lar we try to largely stay apolitical. We try to keep this focused on the sports that we love and the club that we love. And we don't want to be mired into this. So before we do move on, you know, I do feel it's, you know, I do feel that um, I got a couple, I've got a couple questions to ask. Um, Andrew, from, from where you were at, did you 
experienced anything? Did you see anything? You know, did you notice anything? And, you know, what's your take on how the club has been handling this so far? So I was, <clears throat> I was at the match. I didn't see or hear anything. I was over on the, I guess, for the baseball configuration, the third base side, kind of the higher levels. And I, I missed the last about five minutes of the match or so because I was actually on the grounds crew that day volunteering. So tore down the field. That was pretty cool. But no, I didn't hear or see anything. I think the reaction was, first of all, it was fast, right? It was, uh, the, from my understanding, David Carl was made aware of those allegations from Loudon, I think Sunday morning. And I think by noon, you know, he had put out a press release. I'm sure he spent some time trying to gather facts and talking to the players and all sorts of things like that. So I, I think um, it was an appropriate response. It was a fast response. It's also not enough of a response, in my opinion. And we saw the same thing happen with Loudon, I think either last week or uh, two weeks ago when they're playing a home match, there was some racial abuse. And I've been reading some some uh, stories about how, you know, it, it's much worse in, you know, England in the Premier League, for example, with Raheem Sterling and um, uh, I can't think of any other names off the top of my head right now. It's, a little late, <laughs> but um, I, I read something that that said, you know, in America, it's not as much of a problem as in other countries. And I kind of paused at that and I thought to myself, is it really a, like not as bad or is it just not on TV where people can see it? Where is is there, you know, do we have 80,000 fans packing Wembley, you know, every Sunday night? No, we don't. So and it's been a problem. And, you know, this this is nothing new. And, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic that we're talking about this at the start of Pride Month with, um, you know, what we're trying to combat in the sport is, uh, you know, sexist and racist and homophobic and xenophobic attacks like that. So what what more can the league do? I don't have concrete answers right now. You know, they can put out all the statements that they want. And I think the team did really well in, uh, you know, getting getting that statement out really quickly. And, you know, the curse got behind it and amplified that immediately and, you know, put out a call to say, you know, if you saw something, if you heard something, come tell us. So that was heartening to see. Um, but, yeah, going forward, that's a, that's a tricky problem to solve, you know, especially uh, the more probably the more difficult things to sort of correct in the world of soccer is social media abuse. And luckily we haven't seen much of that here in New Mexico, if any at all, I haven't seen any. So Jacob and Earl, you guys were, were on the pitch Friday, uh, Saturday night. Um, and you guys both mentioned to me that you guys were subjected to, to some pretty foul language and uh, some hand gestures and, and things. And I, you guys, I mean, I, you were down there wearing the bibs that you're told to wear uh, for being on the field. And I mean, what, so, I mean, let's, let's start with Earl. We haven't heard much from Earl yet tonight. Earl, you know, from your perspective, like, was this just like one or two people who were maybe just a little bit rowdy, a little bit drunk, or was it um, something more than that? So <clears throat> the, the group that me, Jacob and Sombrero man had to deal with, um, I think it was just a lot of alcohol. Um, I'm hoping at least, I mean, I could definitely be wrong. Jacob, if you feel different, by all means, let me know. Um, I'm pretty sure it was just 
too many 50 cent beers that night and they just kept hammering them down. And because we looked like a ref or anyone from an opposing team that was not wearing a bright, bright turquoise color, we were subjected to it. I mean, it, it was kind of disheartening because we even showed that we're wearing United gear. We showed that we're United fans. The lady was still pissed off about it. Um, I think it was a combination of, like I said, too much alcohol and pent up frustration. I mean, you played, you watched at least 80 minutes, 90 minutes of a team struggling to catch their breath and still come out as the winner. Yeah, basically what Earl said, it was just, it was, to me, it wasn't even a group. It was one lady who was standing in the aisle. So I think she like actually made her way down to be closer to the field is the sense that I got anyways. And she was just drunk and angry, which I imagine she wasn't the only one that was angry or drunk. But as far as what the club is addressing, I didn't hear anything racial. I didn't hear anything homophobic. I didn't see anything thrown. I know that that was proven, though. I know you guys saw it, and I talked to other people that said it happened, but um, and I'm not saying none of it happened. I just don't know. We don't know details. We until we do. I don't know what else you can do other than put out the statements. Like I, I somewhat agree with Andrew that it doesn't seem like it's enough. But until we know who it was, like concrete proof on who it was, I don't know what other, what the what's what is the next action to take. Go back to not having fans in the stands. So I don't want that, and I and I don't want you know a handful of people to ruin it for the other eight thousand. So it's kind of a thing where you, you're just damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because it seems to me like, especially in social media world, if you put out a statement, everybody rolls their eyes at it. But if you do nothing, everybody cries out on social media that you didn't do anything. So it's, you know, until somebody actually gets caught and gets thrown out or banned for life, which is what will happen when they get caught, it's we're just kind of stuck in this mess and you've seen it in the NBA uh, in these playoffs lately um, water bottle being thrown at Kyrie popcorn being dumped on Westbrook. Uh, I, I can't think of any thing being said in the NBA uh, racist or not. Spit on. Yeah. Trey young. Or, Trey young yeah, yeah. Trey young was spit on um, Kyrie mentions racism quite a bit when he goes back to Boston and Boston has a history of racist comments in sports, not just basketball, but other ones as well. So it's it's something that needs to be fought, but it feels like sometimes it's an impossible thing to fight, and it discourages me a lot. So I think the club handled it good. I think as best they could anyways without having proof. What What does bother me is that if security was told or security did witness it, if security did not do anything, then then that's something that, that is something that we can fix right away. You know, it, it, there's a, there's logical steps to be taken right there to get it to where that doesn't happen again. But it's impossible to stop it completely. You just have to try to deter it as best you can. And, and if you're, if you're going to be caught 
throwing something out there that you're not supposed to throw out there and then get told, Hey, don't do it, but then do it again and nothing happens. It's not going to stop anybody. So, so I think that's the first step in what we have learned since the match is that security needs to be addressed and something needs to be done about it, which is kind of weird because I know some of the security guards I've, I mean, there's a guy named Pat that's down there on field level that I've, he's been a security guard there for basically the whole isotopes existence. As far as I know, uh, I remember him seeing there. I remember him seeing there years ago and he's like a no nonsense dude, man. If, if you do something you're not supposed to, he'll take you out back. Or at least that's the vibe I get from him as far as taking you out back. I know he'll kick you out. So to, to hear something like this and to hear that security was called and nothing happened, it's a bummer and that needs to be addressed. But as far as finding out who did it and and whatnot, I think the club handled that as best they could. Yeah, uh, just really quickly, it was, you know, another thing that was simultaneously disheartening, but um, you know, also good to see on the question of, you know, what the club is trying to do to even be proactive in, you know, you know, they're not putting their head in the sand, not, you know, addressing that there's been instances, you know, league wide and in MLS and around the world. Uh, this was the first match that I went to where, you know, about 15 minutes before the match started, Taya Ortega comes on the big video board, you know, with like this two minute long talk. And, you know, if you if we hear some racial slurs coming from your part of the stands, you're not going to be back at Isotopes for the rest of your life. You know, so I, and I didn't I didn't see any of that last season. So I thought that was good to see. But, you know, to wake up on Sunday morning to see that that really didn't have the desired effect was the disheartening part. Yeah, that was something that I, I noticed after the first match or at the first match. Um, and this this match, I think they added it in Spanish. I don't remember the Spanish version yeah. of it. I don't it remember the Spanish, Spanish version. Yeah, I don't remember the Spanish version after the or during the first game, but I I definitely saw it after this one. And, and that's another thing that you just look at it and you go, the clubs are at least united anyways is is doing what they can. Like they can't have a bodyguard for every person that monitors them. They can't be everybody's parents. Like you know, it it sucks, but I don't know what else they could do. So hopefully they figure out who it was that person's dealt with. I hope that they come out and say, hey, we found out who it was. That person's banned for life. Don't do it again. Otherwise, we'll find you and we'll kick you out. Because if they just do it kind of nonchalantly and say, and don't say anything, but ban the guy, it's not going to set an example. So I'm not necessarily saying throw his name out there and let us go harass him on Twitter like people did the ref, but um, definitely saying let us know that you did that, even if it's a lie to be completely honest with you, even if they were just like, yeah, we found him, we banned him for life. Don't do it again. Just so people are like, Oh, they, they actually mean it. You know, we, we better watch what we say. Of course, the problem with that is, you know, those people might not have said anything except for the fact that they got drunk. And then we watched like the worst refereed game I've ever seen in my life. You know, once people get emotional and have alcohol, you know, anything's out the window. So it's just a situation that's almost impossible to fully get rid of. I just hope that people as individuals have to do better and just watch their mouth and watch their actions. That's the difficult part of all this is finding who did it and, and proving it. And we, we've seen that with the 
with the Austin Real uh, match a couple weeks ago, we saw it with the Loudon match. You know, the league came out and said in the Austin incident that they didn't they didn't have uh, sufficient evidence to to proceed with that. With Loudon, they said yes, it happened, but we don't know who it was. And you know, I heard someone you know someone mentioned to me you know well, Loudon only had like a hundred people in the stands, so how could they not figure it out? I mean, we've got nine thousand people in the stands. So it's got to be that much harder to figure out exactly who did it. But in the instance that we've seen from what was on Twitter, you know, it was reported that this particular person or persons were reported multiple times, but were allowed to stay. And that's where the problem is. And again, it's the club's going to have to work with the isotopes. Individuals are going to have to work with it. And then the isotopes are going to have to train the security and staff on how to handle this better. And I mean, like you said, unfortunately, you know, we can't excuse it, you know, drunk or not. Like you can't, I have a hard time excusing it because you still have to maintain some level of decency while you're out in public. And if you can't do that, then maybe you shouldn't be there. That's just my opinion, but. Here's my issue about this. Um, so say United never finds a person. I mean, picking a needle in a haystack is virtually impossible. Um how soon does that isotope staff get trained? I mean, it's not going to happen by the next game, which is literally 11 days from now. 12 days. I'm terrible at math. I mean, it's on the 12th. So does isotope staff get trained before June 12th? Probably not. Well, I, don't, I don't even, I don't think it has to be like a formal training. It just has to be like, Hey, if you are told somebody said this, then I've seen it before where the usher will walk down and stand in the general vicinity of whoever said it and wait. And if it gets said again, then they get kicked out. Like, it's not rocket science. It's not hard. I remember year one when that stupid Pluto minus L word was being chanted a lot. Um, there was two ushers that stood on each side of the supporter section and they singled people out and they yeah. did boot them. But that was before the lifetime ban and before United was actually like punching back on this homophobia that it finally caught fire. Uh, that might be what it needs to be is they have ushers again pushing people out the door. That's why I don't understand why it wasn't done in the first place. Was it's not it's not something that's new. Like I've seen them do similar things where they stand there and wait and listen. So, and I just want to clarify one thing Seth. I wasn't excusing it because of the alcohol. It was just an explanation as to why I can see it happening when I, it's basically, you guys know me. I wouldn't say anything of any sorts at any time, but I know I've said stuff, not racial or homophobic, but I know I've said stuff that's hurt people when I get angry and have alcohol in me. Like you say things that, that are a little, little more than what you even think sometimes. So not an excuse whatsoever. Just, just throwing that out there. No, I think that's understandable. So, um, so yeah, there you have it. Um, I think we've covered that enough for tonight and hopefully moving forward this isn't a topic that we have to revisit you know uh you know this is our our call to all the supporters everyone out there in the stands you know um 
you know, beyond, beyond your best behavior, you know, I mean, go out and have fun, have a couple of drinks, but you know, don't be racist. Don't be homophobic, xenophobic, any of that, you know, just go out and enjoy the match, cheer on United and, um, yeah, just be a good person. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. So, um, and you know, we've got, we've kind of beat around the beat around it a little bit, but, uh, before we jump into our, our, our recap, I do have one burning question for you guys as we do each and every week. Do you know what, how to, do you, do you know, or could you appropriately award a red card in a soccer match? No, but I am not paid to do so. I mean, if I'm paid to do so, I just might be able to. I do know what is a penalty and what's not, like punching someone in the mouth, even if it's Logan Ketterer. Um, in the box is a definite red card. And that is something that I do wish to do, and I would gladly accept that red card. I know that a handball in the box as the last defender to stop a goal is a red card. And we saw that happen and it didn't get a red card. So I, I, I've screamed on this podcast and to you guys before that being a referee is not an easy job. And I've also screamed and wrote about and everything else, how I don't understand how there's only one referee for a freaking soccer pitch. That's actually out there in the middle of it because it's impossible to see everything. And so I look at this match and I want to punch Chris Ruska in the face. But I also, if you have somebody behind the goal, they're going to see that red card. Because I can see how he might have thought Austin Yearwood tripped him up. And I could see how he missed the handball on that same end in the second half. Because especially the handball, there's 22 bodies in front of the goal, essentially. And he's outside of the penalty area. Like, I understand that there probably is a body in the way and you can't tell what it hit. So why not have somebody that's in a better position to do so? I just don't understand. And I mentioned it on Facebook earlier and somebody said, well, it's the way it's always been done. And that's crap. Like, I don't, (laughs) that's not a reason for it. Like, we're growing as a human being species here. Like, why can't we, why can't we get this a little bit better here? And so the whole, the whole situation is just like, you can't talk about this match without talking about what has happened, unless your name is Nicholas Murray and you work for USL. So, so to kind of touch on you punching Chris Rusko or whatever, um, I'm going to take that back on behalf of Jacob. I never said that. I Um, never said that. Whatever. Did I say that? Bleep that out. Bleep that out. Either way. Um, he will not be doing that. Instead, we will be putting his number on Craigslist for free <laughs> Dalmatian puppies. I don't know how you got privy to his number, but hey, don't worry <laughs> about it. We, are, we, some, we already got somehow became... from Twitter. Well, not we, but everybody did basically. He, this uh, isn't the dark web podcast. <laughs> he somehow became a friend on Facebook. You obviously haven't. You obviously haven't listened before, have you, Andrew? Because <laughs> that is not the first time the dark web has got brought up. In fact, I'm relatively sure it was brought up last week. Ah, damn. And here I thought I was being clever. <laughs> All right, I'll have, to, I'll have to go back and listen to the archives. Yeah, so so what's not what's not new on this place is fuck Phoenix. Um, Fair. El Paso sucks. And the dark web. 
Yeah, that's going to be an every every episode thing now, isn't it? The trifecta. <laughs> I'll, agree, I'll agree on the fuck Phoenix part. Just says like an entire entity. Fair. If, like, Fair. <laughs> Phoenix in and of itself, plus their soccer team. Gross. Gross, gross. We like that Santi, though. He's okay. All right. Sometimes. Do I get to answer the question? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. All right. Yeah. Could I appropriately award a red card? Um, as a center ref, probably not. But I will say it was extremely gratifying. to. I was in Louisville, Kentucky about a week ago, and I saw Louisville, San Diego. Uh, it's a gorgeous stadium, by the way. I was trying to like I was trying to picture it in my head like where could we like pick this up and drop it into Albuquerque you know like where do we have enough land to have such a cool spot but it was very gratifying indeed to see Landon Donovan get sent off with a red in like the 85th <laughs> minute for descent it was amazing I never thought I would see that in all my days Landon Donovan gets a red as a coach in Kentucky <laughs> and it, like like a stone's throw from Indiana, like strange place, strange times. Could I give out a ref or a ref? Could I give out a red as a VAR official with the rule book sitting in my lap? Probably. <laughs> I, like, but, I, I like how that's still not a yes. It's a probably. But, still. <laughs> well, you know, have I you know memorized you know every line in the FIFA official you know book of god laws or whatever it's called no i haven't but if i have it in front of me yeah i could probably do that okay it might take it might take a while but yeah (laughs) so what many folks may not know is that uh pro the professional referee organization is one actually assigned does all the referee assignments for uh, i believe nwsl uh usl and uh mls and they do a video segment on their youtube every week where they look at some of the calls and decisions that were made any chance that this one pops up on there this week? I don't know, but I'm going to need so. links. I'd be, I'd be shocked to see a worse call, and it'd be a lot of fun, actually, I think, to, like, if they don't try to rescind it or anything like like, do they do that? I think they do that very rarely. They were like, okay, we made a mistake. But it would be really interesting to see them try and rationalize, you know, giving a red, first of all, that early in the match, and the, the referee was like 40 yards behind, you know, Yearwood and the other guy, whoever it was. I can't remember his name. But it would be very interesting. I don't know if they'll rationalize it or not, but if they do, this is what they're going to say. The video does not clearly show if he touched his foot or not. It's because, not clear and obvious. Because I've right? watched it, and every, like, fifth time I've watched it, I've said, maybe he clips his foot. And then I watched it again and I go, oh, no, no, he did not. He was nowhere near him. So if if they do, because I'm pretty sure that United has formally appealed it. And so if they uphold it and it's going to stay, it's going to be because they sell. They It's going to be because they say you cannot tell for sure that he did not touch his foot. But even to me, even if he touches his foot, it's incidental. And I don't know how it's a red, but that goes to Andrew's point about me not memorizing any rules here. And maybe incidental contact when you're the last defender from behind is is a straight red no matter what. I don't know. But it's it's going to be interesting to see what comes of it. And and so to me, that's not the most egregious call that he had. Like the offside call that the VAR or that the AR had on 
Illich's goal. I watched it a thousand times, and I understand the angles are kind of everything when it comes to it. But to me, it's it's clear as day that he's on by like two steps, and I don't I don't get how that one was called. And then the handball is is just as bad too, because he clearly sticks his arm out. It clearly hits his arm. I just I understand that the the main the center official might not have had an eye line to it, but somebody had to have seen something. I don't and and had to have been like, hey, hold on, <laughs> let's talk about this. And nobody said it. I, it's just it. Well, apparently I mean, everybody in the park except for the referee saw it. Yeah, for sure. Now, I will say that me and Earl and Sombrero Man, where we were, because we were on the corner by where Cello was taking the, all the corner kicks, I couldn't tell. But I have talked to people that were behind the goal in some way, shape, or form, and they all said, yeah, it was clearly a handball. So once again, why don't we have an official back there? Just have an official in that vicinity. I It's... Or how about a goal line cam? How about that? Well, that's technology, and that's it, of course that also means we need VAR again. So yeah, I don't know, man. It's with the USL camera angles. I do think that all three of those would be called back or would be reversed. The red card on on Yearwood, the handball, and the offside call. If we had VAR, even with the camera angles that we have. All of them would be like, oh, yeah, that's wrong. Oh, yeah, that's wrong. Oh, yeah, that's wrong, too. Sorry. Here you go. It's a 3-1 win, United. Sorry. <laughs> that's, it's, incidentally, that's that's the score I predicted. Me, too. Yeah, and that, uh, that highlight you were talking about of the handball, the, the, the handball highlight just played behind us, uh, if you're watching on the YouTube. Um, yeah, even on the USL's website, or on the website, if you go to their YouTube channel, if you slow down the video, because you know uh, YouTube has the option to do that, you can slow down the playback speed on the video. You can clearly see Bolivar stick out his left arm, and the ball go off of it. And yeah, it's just some of the, this match was some of the worst officiating I've ever seen. And I, I put out a Twitter thread after you know after the match. Um, I even was able to slow it down enough and I got a screen grab of the ball coming off of Boulevard's arm and I have no professional video editing equipment, you know? And you look at it, you look at the way this, the, the entire match was, was, was constructed and the way it played out. The referee basically had no control. He allowed Loudon to flop probably 37 times in the final you know minute and a half. Yeah, that's why Coach got kicked out. Yeah. That's why coach got his red card. And now I get that loudness coming to a much, a literally a mile higher than, than their elevation is at home. And I get that, you know, some of those players probably were dealing with cramps, but the amount of time they spent on the ground, like any one of those players, Cody got a, I remember Cody Mizell got yellow cards faster than any of them at any given time during that, during the inaugural season. And so there's just a, a different level of consistency and refereeing in these matches. That's and this one here is absolutely horrendous. And USL and Pro have got to take a look at it. So here's the I'm gonna kind of touch on what Jacob just said on Coach getting his red card. It was bullshit 
because, and I'm not trying to draw fire or anything like that. It literally came like two minutes after he stopped talking. Coach was already down on his on his bent over pretty much, and then the center ref came over to the the center the main ref came over to the center field and walked right over to Troy and handed him the red after talking to the ref after talking to the ref. So that red card was just ridiculously stupid late. Um, I do pray to every god that everyone here believes in that Phil gets the start just for his feistiness after Troy got sent off. He had to be pulled back by Brandon Morris and sent back to the bench because Phil was about to walk on the field and probably get himself a red card. See, I don't I think Troy getting a red card, I don't I don't think it was that delayed. I think Troy kept barking to the fourth official. Because what whole, what started that sequence was we had possession. We were moving the ball around. Away from the play, a Loudon player just lays down on the field. Just, he literally, you watch it. If you watch the replay, it's in the 82nd minute, I want to say, 82nd or 83rd. And you see him just like kind of jog. And then he just like, slows down and gets down on a knee and then he goes down to two knees and then he just lays down like he's going to take a nap. And as the fourth official or as the official, you don't have to stop it unless it was an apparent head injury, which this obviously wasn't. You don't have to stop play. Loudon can just play with 10 men if the guy wants to take a nap. And he was like, no, no, we're going to stop it. So that's what Troy was pissed about. And I don't blame him because he Ruska was doing that all night. Loudon would just take a nap and he would stop the play for no freaking reason when we were building momentum. And we still should have scored two goals if it wasn't for an offside call and a handball. Like, it's insane. So, I don't have a problem with his red because you could see it if you rewatch the match. You can see him just yapping to the fourth official over and over and over again. And then, then the fourth official calls Rusko over and says, hey, get this guy out of here, basically. And... The rest is history, and then we get the infamous shot of Lassane just booking it in a suit past the curse, and the curse just going crazy for him. Which, to me, I it, that that scene almost made the whole match worth it, just because I he, thought it was hilarious he, and uh, perfect. He actually motivated me to start running every morning after I get ready for work. <laughs> in your suit, the <laughs> difference just is working out because when I put my tie on, I now have to put my coat on. And I don't even know the distance. That's probably a good 100, 150 yards. Probably. So I'm going to start doing that every morning in honor of Troy. I'm going to run to the end of my road and back in my tie and my brown shoes. There you go. I like it. (laughs) I like it. So getting back to play on the pitch, um, we know that we do know that the club uh, has said they're going to appeal Austin's red card. I think we all, I, I think we would all agree that there's a fairly good shot that that's going to be rescinded. Um, Andrew, going over to you, I don't agree actually. What did you, what did you see from the club in the first half um, that you that you took away as either positive or a negative? There were, you know, we all we've said so far is that the first half was drab and boring and not full of exciting soccer, but I had the best seat in the house to watch Daniel Bruce run down the right wing 
and cut and cut cut in centrally. He was terrific. And I'm t- I will say full disclaimer that I am a Daniel Bruce Homer, <laughs> but only but only because he's the best English football player in the world. He's I don't I don't know I saw, I saw um, I spent half the match with my face and my phone because I live tweet the matches. That's what I've done since I covered him for the Lobo. So sometimes I have to go back and watch the replays or ask a, you know, uh, the director of comms used to be Jessica Campbell, uh, Liz Davis. They were great. Uh, I would have to ask them like, did you see that? What just happened? Cause I'd be typing away furiously, but, uh, no, Bruce was great. Uh, he, he really grew into it and he's not, he's not a big guy. You know, he's like, <laughs> he, he's like a, a messy sort of character, you know, obviously not as skilled or, you know, a world, the best football player the world's ever seen. But he, he won his duels. You know, I saw him go up. Um, I think it was the first half, but if it was the second, uh, I won't apologize for being wrong. But he, he won a, an aerial header with a guy that was like six inches, you know, his superior in like vertical height. Which was really impressive. So, I know the exact play you're talking about because me and Earl were yeah. in the dugout for that, and we both looked at each other and we were like, "Dang, Brucey got up for that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boys got ups. Um, he's v- very well dressed. His sartorial sense is unparalleled. Love that guy, and he's he's just getting better. You know, with every game that I watch, um, he didn't start the first season, did he? He signed for the second season. Last year, you know, he was with us. He's been with us all three years. Oh man, I don't have my fact sheet in front of me. Yeah, yeah he's he's he's, in, like, he's my guy. Season, opening season. Yeah, and he, you know, besides that play with the header, he was just winning balls. He was, you know, the fluid passes. He he was keeping the ball, you know, pretty much between his feet. So he was making good good, um, you know, diagonal runs through the center, back out wide. So from the first half, I thought that was a highlight for sure. I thought and everybody, the, and the, you know, Tem- Tembakis, you know, you can't save that. So, he, you know, he, he did all that he was asked to do. You know, you, you lose 0-1 or 1-0, whatever you want to call it. Bad luck. Get him next time. Tembakis was good as well. I thought everybody played extremely well for basically the whole match, aside from the play that got, Austin, the the red card, um, they kind of fell asleep on that one, which put Austin in that position. And then on the goal, um, Hamilton and Ryden sank too far back and and left Bolivar with a little too much space up there. But then credit all credit to Bolivar. He, he put it in the only place that he could to score. Um, and, and that there was nothing that anybody could do to stop that after he took the shot. I just feel like they could have been up on him a little bit more to prevent him from being able to take that shot and giving him the time and space to do it. But I think I'm going to rewatch it eventually uh, after I I just build up the nerve to do it without wanting to break my phone. Um, And and I think what I fully expect to see is, is a team that played really well after the first 20 minutes. And like really, really well, like probably deserved a three, one win four nil win. If it wasn't for that red card with the way they played. But then again, if it wasn't for the red card, they might not have played that way in the second half because they probably would have already been in the lead then. So it's hard to say, but I, I was, I was impressed with 
everything in electric turquoise aside from two plays. And unfortunately, those two plays had the biggest impact on the game. I was also impressed with the electric turquoise itself. Yeah, that really popped, man. That was... We, me and Earl commented on it when they came out in their warm-up shirts and just the turquoise shorts. Uh, that that just the shorts popped. Speaking of shorts, me and Earl noticed something that was very strange after the match. When the players were going around, hugging, giving high fives, clapping to the crowd, Earl very astutely noticed that Schmitty was wearing Tusha's shorts. They had the number 16 on them. And I don't I don't know why. I don't know when it happened. I don't know if he wore them the whole match like that. I didn't catch it. But uh it was very strange and and it's been bothering me ever since, if we're being completely honest. I just don't I want to know how it happened. Yeah, like I almost want to drive out to Ex Novo and ask him what happened. Yeah, just, just to we should have just asked him right then. We had an opportunity. But he was talking to family members of other players, and we decided to leave him alone. But it was very strange. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I was watching it from the box, and I, I looked at the first half. And while I don't necessarily think that we played poorly, we definitely didn't hold a lot of early possession. We didn't see a lot of attacking attacking options early on. Now, after the red card, that it did get better, but <laughs> which you know, is I, funny. Yeah, I, I can't. You know, I can't disagree with what Troy said in the, in the post uh, post game presser. Like we just we did not play well for the first you know twenty twenty five minutes, or we didn't play at our at the pace that we're that we're used to. And I think if we had, it would have been a compl- it would have been a different outcome. And you know, Loudon looked pretty good for those for that first you know twenty twenty five minutes or so. And I'm Mustafa. We talked about him last um, last week, and we talked about him with uh, with Adam Davis. He's got ton of pace. And I thought that that was going to be trouble for us. And we saw it several times. Uh, Mustafa was able to get, get in behind and make those runs and put Loudon in position to, to get some, some early chances. Yeah, that's well, that's been the identity of the team since their inception, right, is to get out on the front foot. So we, we did kind of miss that uh, last Saturday. That's, you know, I, I used to write in the journal that, um, you know, it was a quintessential New Mexico match when like Phoenix would come and we'd go up like three to one. And then, you know, the final score would be three, three, you know, like that, that is the New Mexico experience that we've been used to. So this was uh, very out of character and, you know, but, but again, you know, without that red card, it's a completely different match because they only grew into it and down a man with 10 men, you know. Yeah, we've talked about it on the podcast before. It's when a club goes down to 10 men, that's often when they're at their most dangerous. And United were basically playing like a team possessed, you know, after, the, especially after in the second half with whatever choice said. Like they came out and we saw chance after chance. And you know, we saw probably, I don't know, probably, probably close to a dozen corners or so, a um, dozen opportunities to be, or crosses, you know, in that dangerous area. Where United had opportunities, we just couldn't find it. And then, of course, you know, we know the the handball there at the end. And um, I, I think I think ten minutes is the longest I've ever seen in terms of stoppage time. Uh, I saw an Everton match last year that was I think seven or eight, but 
10 minutes. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was pleased to see the, uh, the decade of minutes. Cause uh, you know, and I, and I expected it. I fully expected it. Any, like if we had saw like five or six, I would have been, you know, I was already, you know, furious at the ref and I'm not even really a fan of New Mexico United. I'm just a writer. You know, I like going to the matches. I like Daniel Bruce. I like the electric kits, <laughs> but you know, I'm not like, I won't, I don't live and die and bleed black and yellow. You know what I mean? So like I would have been furious, more furious than I think I've ever been at any referee if it hadn't been 10 minutes of stoppage, you know, because it, anything else was, was, would just would have been a disgrace. It would have been, you know, it, they have a hard job. I understand, but there were a lot of people taking a siesta on that field in the second half. So, yeah, I, I agree. The 10 minutes was, we were sitting in the corner over there talking about it before they announced it. And at one point I said six, and then like five minutes later, they had been down for half of that. And I said, okay, well, now it's got to be eight. And then five minutes later, they were down again for two more minutes. And I said, okay, and if it's not 10, then something's up. And sure enough, it was 10. But real quick, I just want to highlight Josh Suggs's play because we were in the corner where he was attacking in the second half. And I was scared. And I was behind the advertising boards. Like, it was insane to me how dangerous he looked. And that play that Illich scored on was just freaking nasty by Suggs. One touch nutmeg gets around him, puts in a beautiful cross that Illich finishes. It finishes. And that was like the third nutmeg of the night from Suggs. He was just destroying people left and right. And, and I can't believe that we didn't score and he didn't have an assist. Like, that just baffles. And technically it did happen, but he was insane and fully deserved to be man of the match. Um, even with what Tambakis did and what Kalen Ryden did playing two positions, basically, where he's center back for the first 70 minutes and then he played like 20 minutes as the center forward. Like he was right there with us for the last 80 from the 80th minute till the end. Basically he was up there trying to score and, and should have, if it wasn't for the handball. So uh, to me, just an outstanding performance by both of those gentlemen, as well as everybody else. But, but Suggs has plays that will be forever etched into my memory sitting there on the sideline or sitting there on the touchline right there in that corner and just watching him just absolute magic over there. Um, Kalen definitely had a good push for man of the match. Um, Jacob said he was playing center forward. He, at that same time, I do believe he was also playing center back at the same time. I think we still had four in the back and he was just playing up top free roaming it. Could be. And, and that's one of the things about this three, five, two that Troy likes to employ is you've got a lot of flexibility and, and of course, being a man down, you know, you, you, you have to make a massive change at that point. And Troy talked about it, you know, he, um, going down a man, you know, last week, you know, uh, he tried to do it, you know, a four, four, one, and it didn't really work out at first. And they he made a, made another adjustment. And, and so, you know, playing with 10 men is definitely a, a huge adjustment. Um, you've got to not only cover more ground defensively, but you still have to find ways to, to try to get those goals, try to keep the offensive going when you are trying to come back and, and salvage that point. Um, so, 
And, and I got to ask you, Andrew, a few minutes ago, you mentioned uh, how, how well-dressed Daniel Bruce is. I had the chance to sit down with him uh, in that inaugural season. And like he's a, he's a fantastic person. Love talking to him. If you watched in that second half, you saw Troy kind of going at uh, Coach Martin uh, for Loudon. Oh, yes. Is there, is there any chance you think that Troy was barking at him because he was so underdressed for the occasion? <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I took a couple glances from my uh, eagle eye perch up top. I was literally in the like the top seat, like before you get to the camera wells or whatever up there. I think there are disabled seating. I'm not sure what it is. But, uh, yeah, right up top. And I saw uh, Ryan Martin had a lawn chair. And I thought, wow, this man is so relaxed. And he, I think he finally got up out of it after, like, the, you know, 70th minute when his players started falling down. But, uh, yeah, what was he wearing? I don't remember. Oh, it's right there, okay. right, right, I got this. Like a button-down flannel yeah, somebody, shirt, a ball cap. Button-down flannel, untucked, khakis, and then a flat-brim hat. And the only thing I could think of was like a baseball cap. Yeah, like a just like a like to me, he looked like a wannabe Tony Hawk. Like he's around the same age as Tony Hawk. And I'm, I'm going to dress tomorrow, so I cannot. I I'm going to have to step away because I'm dressing like that tomorrow in honor of this. Like he popped up yeah. on the screen, and I was sitting there going, "Who's that?" And then it said Sean Martin. Loudon coach for whatever, however many years. And I was like, that's the coach. That's how the coach is dressed right now. It's wrinkled. Yeah. It was a wrinkled button up until like, I just, it was, it ben, was hilarious ben Ol- to me. Yeah. Ben Olsen is somewhere right now sobbing into his, you know, his bourbon or whatever. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that guy was sharp, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he just put on, he thought, you know, it was his Memorial day suburban dad sort of barbecue but it was actually game day yeah it actually reminded me of something that i would wear like when i was in high school you know those you yeah. know the, the jeans the button down shirt you know untucked the ball cap i mean, I, I did, i'm not a fan of the, of the the flat brim but you know uh it was definitely like something that reminded me of like 20 years ago <laughs> but he looked 40 and was wearing yeah. that not in high but, school like yeah. it was just i i was i didn't understand it <laughs> so that's the that's the suburban dad barbecue get up i don't know yeah i don't i don't remember that i just, I just distinctly remember remember him lounging in his fold-up chair while while troll is like you know sc- screaming at the top of his lungs so i don't know it worked at least for one match but maybe there's a reason they were winless before they came i'm not superstitious by any means but you know maybe he hadn't changed out of his clothes till he got a win. Who knows? Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of winless teams, uh, New Mexico United's next opponent is, of course, Real Salt Lake. Monarchs are sitting on two points so far this season. They've scored three goals through four matches. Uh, they opened up their season with a 2-2 draw at uh, against San Antonio and then picked up a draw two weeks ago on the 21st against Austin Bold FC. Uh, so two I, I guess you would say decent showings there against uh, some of the more we're, well, at least we're expecting them to be competitive sides within this division. Um, what are we looking for this weekend? I mean, if, if Austin's yellow card is a uh, red card, I should say is rescinded. Uh, I assume we're all expecting him to be back in the lineup. Uh, we're all, I'm sure, I'm sure we're all expecting Tanari to be back in, back in the 11. Um, 
who do you think Troy throws? Well, that's probably not going to be Troy. It's going to be Zach. Who do you think Zach puts in the 11 this week? Real quick. I I hope you put someone in that's going to bury the monarch's dick in the dirt. What was that? Odd metaphor, Earl. Very odd. <laughs> I, think it I works. don't think I've ever heard it put quite that way before, but okay. I want to touch on one more thing real quick. Just real quick. Nobody has to even respond. But right up there with Fuck Phoenix could be the goalkeeper for Loudon because that guy was a grade-A douchebag. But um, I'll leave it at that, and then we'll, we can talk about Real Monarchs. I, I just saw him cheering after the match on the highlight package a minute ago, and it made me remember that I really did not like him. And I think that's acceptable. You know, you don't want to ever want to be uh, happy for an opposing team keeper. So no one's going to blame you there. No, but he was like worse than, than Ketterer, Wait, in you, my opinion. You gave him a, you, you gave him a grade A? Who? I, I'm impressed. I would have given him like an, the, the, the keeper for the fucking Loudon people. Who gave him an A? You gave the keeper, you gave him a grade A douchebag? Yeah, because that's like the worst douchebag. Yeah, it's no, it's like grade F, like semantics, like pasteurized grade. <laughs> Anyways, anyways, back to what Seth was saying. I am hoping, like I said a while ago, that Jacob and his boomerness did not understand that Zach Prince. <laughs> like I said, I'm hoping that Zach Prince puts in. Every goal score that we've ever signed since Ilya Illich came in. And who cares about a back line? Let's just go score fucking goals. And once again, bury the Monarch stick in the dirt. I want to see this exact same lineup. We talked about it right before the match started, how I was really excited to see how Dev and Brown and Moreno all did how they did with all three of them being on the pitch at the same time. And we didn't get to see it. So I want to see basically the same exact lineup, uh, assuming Austin comes back. And if Austin doesn't come back, then you just put Rashid or Schmidt back there and, and keep the same formation and the same lineup minus Yearwood. If he doesn't, if he, unless he's reinstated, then, then bring Yearwood back in there and have the exact same lineup. I, I love Tenari, but, I'm just curious to see how this lineup works. And I think that against a team like Real Monarchs, it could be something that it could be a lineup that as Earl once could bury the Real Monarchs dicks in the dirt. That just sounds weird to say. How did you, why did you say that? I don't understand. <laughs> it's artistic license, man. Fair, fair. I tried to get that printed in the journal once long ago, but my editor scrapped it. The dick in the for, dirt. For, for for reasons unknown to this day, I couldn't believe it. But here we are. I just want to see uh, Dan and Bruce start on the right wing. I don't think he anyone's going to fight you on that. Yeah, I I just think the more time he gets to start, you know, he's not a you know Christian Pulisic esque super sub. You know, like get, give him the minutes and, you know, every every performance, I think, will just continue, you know, and it's it's, it's still a team that 
still hasn't really gelled fully. It's still early in the season. I think we're going to write off Loudon as just a freak fluke that, you know, we're probably not going to forget anytime soon, but will it matter in like September or October? I hope not. I don't think so. This, the, the roster is just too stacked to, you know, be coming down to the wire like San Diego last year, for example. Yeah. I, and I'll be happy if we don't have JPG. We all know, Earl. We all know. John, but, John Paul Jones? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what what Andrew said about it not mattering later, I, I fully agree because I, I think we make the playoffs regardless of that win or loss, whatever you want to – the win that felt like – or the loss that felt like a win. But – um. I think that the only way it's going to matter is if if it if we lose out on the second position in our group because of that match, then I'm going to be pretty disappointed in, in how it played out because I want that home playoff match. I want to I want somebody to have to come here for at least one match and mainly for the fans' sake, just to give the fans a playoff game. Um, and to give the players, player, players a home playoff game after what we experienced last year. So hopefully we can just turn the burners on and destroy some people here. I, I talked about being on a five-game win streak going against San Antonio, and that got ruined because of this. But uh, I think there's still, there's still a chance that we can rattle off four or five in a row a couple times and or more even and just leave everybody in our dust, which would be nice. Yeah, I think Real is a good is a good matchup for us coming up this week, uh, especially coming off of this. Uh, I mean, dev- I guess I want to say devastating or devastating or heartbreaking because it really wasn't. It's not like they scored like a last minute you know goal to beat us or anything like that, but off of this frustrating loss. There you go. I think that's I think that's the perfect word for that. You know, it's you know we're going up uh, up to Salt Lake, the play the play club that hasn't one yet this season um they're not particularly playing well um i mean they've been blanked twice so far and you know hamas and alave is in what its second season and again you know this is again an mls2 team um that's got a lot of turnover from last season uh one name that stood out to me is uh noah powder who was there uh last year uh pretty good defender um but i think I just, I don't see it right now from RSL. I, you know, I don't know where their goals are going to come from. I don't know uh, really who, who their, who their danger players are. I mean, have you guys, have any of you had a chance to take a look at them watching their matches so far this year? I haven't seen any of their matches, but if you want just a sort of early season barometer of where they compare to, uh, you know, New Mexico, they played Austin twice, drew them 1-1 and lost uh, 2-0, you know. And Austin, I don't think, is a particularly great team. And, you know, we we smashed them to bits 3-1. So that's that's been the only uh, opponent that they've shared. So that bodes well for me. I haven't seen uh, any other matches, no, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that... Uh... Unless Raul Salt Lake actually sends down some players, then if it's just the lineup that we've seen for the most part, their last three or first three, first four matches, 
it's very similar to what they looked like last year. And last year, we were not kind to them. So I I hesitate to guarantee a win because had you asked me a week ago, I would have guaranteed a win. Uh, in fact, Adam Davis from Two Out Adams pretty much admitted that he was expecting to lose against us, and that didn't happen for reasons that we know. So I'll put it this way. As, aside from an absolutely horrific refereed match, if we don't win, I'd be shocked. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Um, looking at, looking, I'm looking at their rosters. Um, I mean, yeah, Noel Powder's back. Milana Lasky's back. Uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Keeper Slayton is back. But outside of that, I mean, they've got they've lost so many players so much. Here, Kyle Coffey is gone. Michael Chang is gone. You know, uh, Jack Blake is gone. And I mean, while that's to be expected from these two sides, you would hope that they're bringing in comparable talent or talent that they can build up to the, to the level of those players. Cause you look at, we talk about those names, you know, Michael Chang and Jack, Blake. those guys were very good for them over the past two seasons. And I just, I don't know where those replacement goals, those replacement players are really going to come from yet. I, I haven't seen anyone stand out in what I have seen, but um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Saturday. You know, how does the club come out? How do they perform? Um, Andrew, do you think that Zach Prince is able to get these guys to come out and, and elevate their game a little bit? Or do you think that this past Saturday's match is going to be enough motivation for them? Yeah, I don't think it matters really so much who the coach is. Well, we heard it at yeah. the presser. Uh, I think it's going to be enough motivation. Uh, Troy was saying that Sergio was – Oh. What is going on? I think Earl might have a little bit of delay again. Yeah, I think Earl has a large delay. Damn. No, it's it's Jacob's internet. No, that, <laughs> I have nothing to do with that, Earl. All right, so gentlemen. Yeah, next week. Uh, let's see, or this week actually, Friday. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, I don't, I don't really think that it matters so much who's on the sideline because they're going to be, you know, they know Troy's system for the most part, even the newer players, you know, have been signed now for, you know, four or five months since the beginning of the year. So will it matter too much who's on the sideline? No, I don't think so. And, you know, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder for sure. One thing to note too also is uh, one last thing. Uh, so in the Western Conference, there's only two clubs that have a worse goal differ- differential than the Monarchs. It's Las Vegas and San Diego. Four losses apiece. San Diego just won their last goal. I feel pretty confident that, you know, having a different face on the sideline is not going to be a distraction or, you know, something that lowers the tempo. Like I was saying, and I'm hoping the delay caught up. Um, I don't think. Yeah, I really that think that need... we're gonna. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've, I've I'm just figured. kidding. I'm just kidding. Girl. Look at this. I'm just kidding. Listen to this guy, modern day comedian. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. <clears throat> like I was saying, um, I don't think there's much motivation that needs to be given out or 
or convinced to. Not, there's not much convincing that's needed. Uh, we heard Troy say himself that Sergio was ready to hop up and play another 90. Now, whether Sergio could actually hop up and play another 90 it's, needs to be seen, I guess. It's, But I don't think there's much convincing that needs to be issued out this week. All right. So, again, we don't know too much about RSL yet. We're going to see them for the first time this weekend. Um Let's go around the horn. Let's get some match predictions. Uh, Andrew, since you're our guest this week, we'll start with you. Uh, <laughs> no red cards. I think they're going to be a little more careful this go around, which I don't know what that means. Like stay five feet away from every player, like do the social distancing bit. So they make absolutely sure that they don't get, you know, unnecessary egregious red cards for what I think still is no contact. From you know Yearwood, you know I, I know Austin's girlfriend, and she was incensed on Twitter and just wanted to blow up the entire league after that call. But yeah, no no red cards. I think they're gonna play careful, more carefully, but with you know more verve, more intensity, if that makes sense. So not not looking for a repeat of this week, just in case. I don't know who the new ref who the ref is gonna be this week, but. Score predictions, I'll go with a solid 3-0. 3-0, all right. Earl. You see, I don't have much faith in Tambakis holding a clean sheet. 3-1. Jesus. <laughs> Earl, you got to stop with the Tambakis hate. It's like Juan Pablo Guzman, but, no, no, no. but at least Juan Pablo listen, listen, Guzman Listen, hold on, hold something. on, hold on. Oh, my God. So it's not that I hate Tambakis. Tambakis is really, really good. I want to see him hold a clean sheet for at least one or two games. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not going to count on it yet. None of them have Three, been his one. fault. Like, you can't look at any Three, of the goals. One. You can't look at any of the goals that he's Three, given up and be like, oh, Tambaka should have stayed, saved that. No. Two, oh, my gosh, Earl. I hate Three, you sometimes. I hate you so much. Again? <laughs> okay, I'd like to point one small detail out. Okay, Tambakis was the first ever signing for perhaps – the biggest powerhouse team in the history of soccer in the United States, which we all know, it's Atlanta here. United <laughs> Football Club. Everyone knows that. Who's anyone? Okay, who's the first ever signing? And look where they are now. Okay, right, there you go. Once again, awesome. <laughs> one. I've had really, really good luck with this three-one call, so I'm calling three-one. <laughs> oh my god Jacob this I didn't hear it man come I, back to me Alex gonna kill you when laundry happens Seth I need your score prediction I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna my go score prediction here. RSL RSL's got a pretty poor defensive uh, back line right now uh, I feel like uh, no matter who we've got up there is gonna probably outclass them a little bit and uh, they don't have the star power that they have in, in, in past years. So um, I'm going to go 2-0. You guys already know mine. I think we all know Jacobs. I'm going to call Jacobs before it yeah, happens. Yeah, call it. Call it. 4-0. That's it. That's on the money. Uh, it's going to happen, guys. There's a 4-0 game coming. And I am convinced it would have been Loudon if not for the stupid red card. So I'm going to stick with that because it's against another terrible team, at least from what we've seen so far. 
Seth already mentioned it. They they lost any any real contributor other than Noah Powder, basically. Uh, Jack Blake, who's been like their stalwart for the last several years, left. Uh, and so I just I don't I don't see us performing worse than we did against them last year. In fact, I feel like we're better than we were last year, and they're worse. So you take the the two nil two one score lines from last year, and you you take one away because they got worse and you add two dollars and cause we got better and, and you're looking at four nil and it's going to happen. I'm going to speak this thing into existence at some point this season. Um, and I, and I, I can't think of a better night for it to happen than a night that I can't watch. Cause I'll be on a plane going to Missouri. So that's, what's going to happen. That's how I know it's going to happen is cause I won't be able to watch it. So there you go. That's going to be the curse lifted. Jacob, not watching. all right i think that's gonna just about do it for us here tonight um thank you guys so much for watching uh andrew uh where can people find you where can they follow your work and uh how can people get in touch with you if they feel so inclined uh please do not even look at me for i do not exist do not perceive me in any way uh but if you want to i'm on twitter all the time don't really do any other social media platform a gun rights a-g-u-n-n rights with a pen all right there you guys andrew gun one a, a friend of the show someone we've known for a couple years now uh andrew thank you so much for being on the show we appreciate you being here and uh, we'd love to have you back again sometime um and uh, one quick note before we Jacob gets us out of here. Next week, we will have another special guest. We will have uh, everyone's favorite San Antonio uh, FC commentator, Harry, at Ram and Call on Twitter. You, everyone should know him. So be here for that next week. Can't wait to talk to him ahead of the first time we've seen San Antonio since the 2019 season. So uh, that's going to do it for us. Jacob, get us out of here. Yeah, Seth, you're going to have to bust your butt to get that thing edited and out because we play them the very next day. So yes, we um, do. looking forward to that. As Seth mentioned, Andrew, it was a pleasure uh, having, having, having new faces on. So I don't have to just listen to Earl talk uh, is, is always nice. And um, to anybody that was, was watching, I was, I was watching on. To be fair, to listening to Jacob, he is the only one that ever talks. <laughs> if you look at the at the YouTube feed right now, he is literally the only comment. <laughs> this is fair. This is fair. I do talk quite a bit on this show. But uh, I, I see, you know, we had up to eight people watching and nobody commented. So don't be shy, people. Hop in the chat. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you tweeted the ref that got you banned from his, his Twitter and and you know we're interested in that kind of stuff. So every Tuesday, I had to pause for a dramatic effect. I saw all three of your guys' faces go. What just happened? Did he freeze? <laughs> I don't understand. No, but I just wanted to see what happened. Uh, every Tuesday, nine thirty on YouTube, uh, you can catch the the audio podcast. In some cases, two days later; in some cases, one day later. But check it out. Uh, subscribe. Hit the bell. A little bell on on YouTube. That's what the the boomers say, as Earl likes to say. And um, follow us on social media. It's almost Moss and him on all platforms. Uh, and until next week, guys. It's almost news. You've been listening to Somos Moss, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. 
Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.